G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. He gave me an application form and sat with me, helping me fill this application form. And then we came to this question, which said, uh, write your testimony. And the only thing I could think of was saying to him, uh, yes, sir, when I was 13 years old, my bishop gave me communion. (laughs) And this man looked at me, initially surprised. Then he said, well, that's good enough. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, when a despondent Sonny Phillips showed up at a Bible school in India and asked to be admitted, he technically didn't meet the minimum requirements. However, a wise man at the school decided to make an exception. And as we'll hear today, that decision completely changed the direction of Sonny's life. Sonny is having a chat and sharing his story with Eric Scatterbo. Now, I understand that you are from a part of India that has had a Christian heritage all the way back to the first century. Is that correct? Well, um, the tradition is that um, uh, Kerala had Christian presence uh, most likely from 52 AD. Um, That is, uh, St. Thomas, one of the apostles, Mm -hmm. um, uh, is presumed to have come and preached the gospel in Kerala and converted people and established a church. But it is historically proven that there were Christians in Kerala right from 2nd, 3rd century AD. Mm. So we are talking about 150, uh, 200 AD. Uh, there were already Christians. Many of them were migrants from the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Uh, but many of them were also uh, Indian Christians. Um, my own local church in my little village uh, is um, most likely 1,200 years old. Wow, that goes way back. It does, uh, long before Captain Cook came to Australia. Wow, now that talk about heritage. That's going way back. Now, a lot of people think of Christianity as being foreign to the East, that it was kind of imported over here from the West. But according to your heritage of your community where you're from in India, that's not the case. Definitely not in Kerala. Um, we were Christians definitely long before England or America were mm-hmm. Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, But I suppose it is possible for people to misunderstand uh, the version of Christianity that we have in India uh, as Western because it has come through the colonial uh, powers and white missionary groups. Mm -hmm. But Christianity itself has definitely been in India long before the Western people came to India. And so you grew up in one of those traditions, is that correct? That is correct. We are called the the Syrian Christians of Kerala. Uh, in fact, we also have a synagogue in one of our towns, mm-hmm. which predates uh, the Christian church. So it is very possible that uh, the early church, with this tradition of visiting synagogues around the world, like Apostle Paul did, mm-hmm. uh, would have come to Kerala to the synagogue because there was a Jewish community there. And still there is a, a quite a vibrant Jewish community in our part of India. So they would have come and preached the gospel to their own people initially and mm. then converted the local people into a community. 
Um, there is a tradition also that um, the local Maharaja um, gave certain rights and privileges to this Christian community and accepted them into the community as a separate entity so they could live there peacefully and coexist with the Indian people without any uh, let or hindrance for many, many years mm. uh, and continue to practice uh, their Christian religion. Now, to this day, are there landmarks that you could see in your state? Uh, there are several old churches, and um, there are also a couple of copper plate inscriptions that are preserved in one of our museums, which were uh, the rights and privileges given to them by the Maharaja in the old uh, uh, South Indian script. So that will all predate easily 1,500 years, uh, 1,700 years uh, before uh, what we are talking about now. Mm. So quite ancient uh, scripts are there, so there is some tradition. Yeah, hmm. India is so interesting; such a wide, diverse number of religious faiths there, all all converging in one country. It's amazing. Well, this is right. I mean, of course, it is the birthplace of two major religions mm-hmm. in the world: Hinduism and uh, uh, Buddhism. Uh, and of course, then it has adopted. Uh, Islam and Christianity which came from the Middle East Mm -hmm. and then we have uh, our own uh, variants of the religions like the Parsis and uh, uh, the Sikhs and the Jains and so Mm -hmm. yes uh, it's all there. Wow quite a variety there. Now let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you personally. You as you mentioned you were raised in this Christian heritage but you did not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is that correct? When you're brought up in the Christian environment, you keep thinking that you are a Christian. Mm-hmm. But it is not until you have to stand outside and look at what you actually believe, you realize uh, that you probably didn't believe much. Hmm. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you did not have faith, but it was not a choice. It was not an active faith. So that's where, um, yes, I think you are right in saying that I was not a believing Christian in the strict sense of the word. Mm -hmm. I was a practicing Christian in that I went to church, uh, I attended prayers, I would have read the Bible, but other than that, I did not have an active faith in Mm. Jesus Christ. Now, what happened? How did you go from that to being a believer in Jesus Christ? Well, when I was um, 17 years old, uh, when I finished my high school, my father was extremely disappointed with me. Uh, I remember very clearly he called me into the common room where I sat with him and he said, son, if there is one disappointment in my life, that's you. Hmm. And I would like you to leave this home and go anywhere you want to. Now, I know that he meant it well. He was disappointed in me and he realized that for my sake, I had to leave. Hmm. Uh, it was also important for the sake of the family that I left because my behavior uh, at that time was not conducive to our family atmosphere. Hmm. So he sent me away uh, about 700, 800 kilometers to a major city in South India where uh, it was understood that I would learn English for a year and then hopefully go somewhere else to study. And that is where I came across a gentleman from New Zealand, Mm -hmm. who was a principal of that theological college. And I remember very clearly appearing uh, at his doorstep on a Saturday afternoon around 2 o'clock. I'm pretty sure that he would have been having his rest after lunch, 
mm-hmm. uh, on the day off and um, he opened the door invited me in um, made me a cup of coffee and asked me why I was there and when I told him that I uh, would like to study at your school he said well the school started 3 months ago mm-hmm. you are 3 months late i said but so i would still like to study so he put me in his car drove me to the school opened his office on mm. the saturday afternoon at about 3:30 gave me an application form and sat with me as i filled the application form because in those days i couldn't speak much english mm. and i needed help <laughs> um so I, i i remember him taking me step by step helping me fill this application form and then we came to this question which said uh, write your testimony so of course i didn't know what the word testimony meant so i asked him uh, what does it mean he said oh that means how or when you became a christian and i remember saying to him uh, but sir i have always been a christian i'm born in a christian home hmm. he said but surely you must have had a special experience of christ in your life uh, a personal uh, relationship with christ and i remember sitting there thinking through trying to identify something that i could mm. connect with god and faith in my life and the only thing i could think of was saying to him uh, yes sir when i was 13 years old my bishop gave me communion <laughs> and this man looked at me initially surprised then he said well that's good enough <laughs> and i uh, i filled the application form i was in but as i look back at that event now many years later i said to myself why did this man do that here he was an evangelical born again christian missionary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. trying they preaching the gospel in india and yet he made this amazing compromise for that, me that's right because i had imagined technically they usually say you had to have had some type of born again experience to get into the school and but yet he chose wisely to uh, say well it's close enough <laughs> well i mean it it's it's more than that isn't it i mean i look at it he could have told me son the school has started 3 months ago mm-hmm. come back next year mm-hmm. i could understand i couldn't blame him for that fair enough mm-hmm. i didn't even fill an application form i just appeared in front of his house on a saturday afternoon didn't i <laughs> he could have told me look the office is closed uh, my secretaries have gone home can you come on monday morning come to my office at 9 o'clock In fact, thinking about it, it is very unlikely I would have gone back on Monday after mm. morning at 9 o'clock because I would have been so discouraged by then because I'm already discouraged oh, right, being yeah. sent away from home. Mm-hmm. I would have been already so discouraged, I have no idea what would have happened to me. Mm. And he could have said, "Son, go and become a Christian first. Mm-hmm. Have some faith and mm-hmm. then come back because this is a theological seminary where people with convictions come." and you don't seem to have it hmm. so he would have been right in saying all that mm-hmm. but to me here he was he broke every one of his rules that he what was precious to him mm-hmm. uh, that he came to india to promote mm-hmm. and saying to me it's all right to me this is the epitome of grace mm-hmm. where god broke his own rules to take me in accept me into his family and that's exactly what he did so he is already paying a big price and could be misunderstood for compromising his theological standards mm-hmm. but he was prepared to do that for some reason he believed in me mm-hmm. and wanted to give me 
a break, a second chance in life when my own father was not prepared to do that. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scatterbo is chatting with Sonny Phillip from India, who's sharing his life journey. As we heard, when Sonny was 17 years old, he was asked to leave his home by his father. Then he showed up at a Bible school and asked to be admitted, even though he didn't meet the requirements. However, the principal of the school decided to make an exception. We'll find out the impact this had on Sonny's life when we return. The Story if this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're back with Eric Scatterbo chatting with Sonny Phillip from India, who's sharing his life journey. Before the break, we heard how Sonny was accepted into Bible school, even though he technically didn't meet the requirements. The principal of the school who made the exception was a missionary from New Zealand. Sonny now shares the impact this man had on his life. I didn't realise what he was doing at that time. It was about 18 months later that I made a commitment to following Christ. Mm-hmm. And then I began to understand what it means to be accepted when you have no claims for acceptance. Mm-hmm. But further on, I began to realize it even more fully, the extent of what this gentleman was doing in my life. Because 32 years later, I would meet him again, hmm. this time in his own home country in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I met him briefly for about 15 minutes at Auckland Airport. He came there to see me when he heard I was going to be at the airport. And as we sat there, we talked about life. And then he said he was going back to India. So I was surprised. I said, mm-hmm. are you still involved in ministry there? He said, no, but my daughter lives there. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, what's your daughter doing there? Is she a missionary? He said, no. In fact, um, she just did not believe in the God of the Bible. And I began to be surprised. I said, but how can that be? Then he began to explain to me, and I don't want to go to the details of that. He began to explain to me what has happened to his daughter, how she walked away from her faith. As I stood up to say goodbye to him and to walk away to board my plane, We hugged each other. And as he hugged me, I whispered in his ear and I said, Ian, I just want to say thank you very much. And I said, would you please accept me as a son? Hmm. Would you please accept me in the place of someone you have lost? Because if you had not come to India and if you have not paid that high price, I wonder what would have happened to me. Mm. Because you came, I'm here to share with you the story. And I could see that as I walked away, he would have been glad to hear my story. But still, I wondered there would be times when he would think, maybe, maybe if I had not gone to India, I would have my family together. 
mm. my grandchildren would go to a church. This is a high price he paid. Mm. And to me, that is grace. Mm. Thank you for sharing that story. And we should let our listeners know that because of the grace that that principal of that school in India showed you, as you mentioned, about 18 months later, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, accepted right. him as your personal savior. And now, fast forward 30 some years later, you have been serving the Lord in ministry. Can you just kind of give us a, an overview of your work in ministry? Well, these days um, I'm involved in a number of things and I'm, I'm so privileged uh, to have these wonderful opportunities to be a traveling minister. Um, one of the major areas of my involvement is here now in Australia, mm-hmm. uh, ministering to people, churches, uh, I speak at conventions, groups. But my main aim is to be a blessing to the Australian church. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that when God touches a person's heart, they will know exactly what to do with that heart. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to tell people what to do or how to respond to God. I'm here to share with them what a great God we have. Amen. The other areas of my involvement, I am a lecturer with a leadership training college called the Hagea Institute, uh, which is training centers in Hawaii and in Singapore. So I travel to both places teaching um, leaders, Christian leaders from developing countries. I just did that uh, in Singapore last week, and we had 60 people uh, from 32 countries. Wow. Uh, it was just an unbelievable experience mm. to be there with some of the top leaders sitting there and having an input into their lives. Mm. Uh, I also uh, am more extending my own time in India now. Uh, I was a chaplain at the Christian Medical College and Hospital in Velour, an amazing place to be. Uh, it has a story of its own about what God can do with one person. It's a story of uh, an American uh, mm. young lady who came to India um, to stay and look after her mother, who was a missionary in India. And while she stayed with her uh, one night, she personally witnessed the death of three women in childbirth. Mm. All three women died because their husbands will not allow her father to look after these women because it was a taboo for a man to touch a woman or look at her nakedness, even though he was delivering their babies and saving the lives of their wives. But the husbands will not do that. So one night, three women died. Mm. And the following day, Ida Scudder, her name, she made up her mind that she cannot fight a system Evil it may be, bad and negative it may be, but she will do something special. She will bring Jesus into the system Mm. and then allow Jesus to change the system from within. It was a fantastic pattern, a great paradigm for Christian ministry. So she did that. At the age of 19, confronted by this death, she goes back to the United States, trained herself to become a doctor, she did, and came back to India as a full-fledged doctor and started by herself on the side of a dusty road in India, what is today internationally known as the Christian Medical College and Hospital, with more than 650 doctors, over 1,400 nurses, Mm. 6,000 staff, 3,500 outpatients a day, Mm. 1,700 beds, 
you think of the biggest hospital in mm. australia it is bigger than that wow just an unbelievable place and i had the opportunity with my wife who is a medical doctor uh, to be there for 9 years uh, and serve god in that capacity and we are uh, in the process of uh, developing a ministry to our own staff caring for them pastorally so this is one of the new things that i'm mm. uh, trying to do at the moment wow it's exciting so just uh to kind of wrap things up your your father at that point in your life that you shared was kind of disappointed in you how does he feel about you now my father passed away about 8 years ago but he died a very proud man hmm. in fact the sweetest thing i remember about him is just the week before he died i had the opportunity to spend an entire week with him just the two of us mm-hmm. driving uh, i was his chauffeur driving him to many places because he had business dealings and he wanted me to do that and we sat and talked and he was so proud of what happened in fact about 10 years after i made a commitment to following christ he and my mother and many other members of my family made a similar commitment wow and uh, he was a sunday school teacher and my own brother is a, a voluntary preacher now and the mm-hmm. whole family was revolutionized and uh, you know as i said earlier and uh, as we were talking before all because one person was prepared mm-hmm. to do what god wanted him to do and as i said break his own rules mm-hmm. and exercise god's grace and saying i will give this young fellow the benefit of the doubt and give him a second chance. That's fantastic. And of course, that's the grace that God shows us. There are the the 10 commandments, the rules that we're all supposed to follow in our lives, but unfortunately, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all make mistakes, but uh he sent his son Jesus that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So, we have grace extended to all of us, and that grace is still available to anybody listening today. Absolutely. Well, grace has been described as unmerited favor or getting something that you don't deserve. And that was beautifully pictured today in Sunny Phillips life when the principal of the Bible school let him be admitted even though he didn't really qualify. And that grace that was extended to Sunny made all the difference in his life and it's great to hear how he is now sharing his faith by being involved in various ministries. It's comforting to know that our heavenly father will accept us as well even though we don't really deserve it because we've all sinned but God demonstrates his love for us in this that while we were still sinners Christ died for us and if we put our faith and trust in Jesus we will be forgiven and adopted as his children what a wonderful promise for all of us to be accepted into God's family. Well thanks for joining us for Sunny's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. 